Hello, I'm Phil Smith and welcome to Eurovision in Isolation. The year is 2011 and we are in Dusseldorf in Germany for, well, for the Eurovision Song Contest, as always. This year it's hosted by podcast legend Stefan Raab after Lena won in 2010 in Oslo. His co-hosts are Anka Engelk and Judith Rakers. Uh, and this year also marks the first year of John Ola Sand as our executive supervisor. You, all got, you guys all know who he is, right? Uh, we're counting the votes. Uh, I can see it's going to be really exciting. That's John Ola Sand. Your, your accent was perfect. He's now, he's now executive <coughs> supervised his last Eurovision. That's sad, isn't it? So uh, next year we will have someone completely different who won't have quite such a sparkling personality. This seems like an opportune moment to introduce the uh, panellists on our podcast. This is episode 11, so if you aren't in on our in-jokes by now, you never will be. He's got a Yoki Papai vibe. It's Alex Smith. Hello. Vada Hadaduda Dan. It's Daniel Irvin. Hello again, Phil. He's quite high. It's Minnie Meyer. <laughs> Hi, Phil. And Irlande Nilpois, Simon Rippenbach. Hi, Phil. So this week it is uh, 2011. First song this year comes from Norway. It's Stella Mwangi with her song Haba Haba. Haba haba, Dan. So the stage opens here with a tall blonde Norwegian woman dancing to the sound of steel drums. And my first thought is, oh no. What a terrible week to be covering such shameless cultural appropriation from Norway. And I'm the one introducing it. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to address this. But thankfully, like some golden angel come to save my nervous soul, Stella Mwangi bursts onto the stage and she proceeds to rock it for three straight minutes. I love the song. It's, it's bouncy, it's happy, and not in a grotesque Fat Pharrell kind of way. I can't decide if it makes me want to get up and dance or to recline on a beach with a cocktail, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's it's just such a shame she can't fucking sing. <laughs> Savage. One of the things that happened with with 2011 is we're in uh, Dusseldorf. We're in the Dusseldorf football stadium and it is massive in there. And I think a lot of people were nervous and daunted by the the size of the arena they were performing in i just think it's it's catchy but not in a good way you kind of you end up singing it in a way where you sort of hate yourself <laughs> right mini it's kind of a ripoff of waka waka by shakira which is itself a ripoff of pac-man which is itself a ripoff of fozzy bear <laughs> fourth generation ripoff. Alex, why don't we come to you? Yeah, definitely ripoff of Shakira. Um, 
I'm always worried when the beginning of a song begins with hubba hubba. Uh, thankfully, it, it did uh, ascend into something a lot more catchy. And as Dan said, you know, you could kind of feel yourself jigging along to this on the beach somewhere. For me, unfortunately, I think the song has great potential, but it never really reaches that top gear. Um, the choreography is good. It's not great. It's quite a simple dance move. It's quite a simple song. The premise was there and something brilliant could have been there. I just I feel like it definitely didn't reach its potential, which is a great shame. It's certainly a shame because 2011 isn't really a quality year. So if they'd done a better job, then they really could have done something quite special with this song, I feel. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, on, on paper, they didn't do too well. This was one of my absolute favourites in, in 2011. And looking back, um, I'm curious as to why, because, uh, yeah, it doesn't quite hold up over time as I would have hoped it had. <laughs> um, so, OK, uh, let's come on to everyone's favourite format point. It's douze poire. So, uh, would anyone like to give this song their douze poire tonight? Phil, I'm going to give it my douze poire. I think the concept is brilliant. I think the performance is great. But you know what, Phil? I'm going to do a Simon Rickenback, and I'm also going to give my nil point. I think Simon did this for Italy when we covered 2017. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it my nil point for the fact that I feel like they didn't make enough effort to reach the song's full potential. I think the dance moves were just a little bit lacklustre. I think the singing, as Dan said, she's not a fantastic singer, or she certainly sings like she's tired, or you know, she's, she's, not, she's not found that top range of her vocals. So it's going to get my nil point as well. Okay, do's and nil point from Alex. Uh, any other do's or nils in the room? This is going to get my nil point. Uh, as Alex often says about songs, I just thought it was a bit limp uh, and a bit lacklustre. Fair enough. And that moves us swiftly on to predictions. So I've done something a little bit different this week. One of the songs does quite well, it finishes in fifth place. All the other four songs have not done very well. There is a 23rd place, a 24th place, out of just 25 in the final. So two of the bottom rungs, and then two non-qualifiers, one that finished 14th in its semi-final, and one that finished 17th in its semi-final. So, boys, where do we think this finished? Let's try Alex. You were in sort of two minds about this song. Yeah, tough one. Um... You know, I guess we've got to really put our, put our minds into the mindset of the, the Eurovision voter and the Eurovision viewer. Um, knowing what's coming and knowing, as you say, the sort of the spread we've got this week. Uh, I'm going to go non-qualifier. Non-qualifier. OK. In which case, we move on to our second song of the evening. This one comes from the Scandinavian nation of Denmark. And it is a, a band called A Friend in London and their song, New Tomorrow. Come on, boys, come on, girls, in this crazy, crazy world. You're the diamonds, you're the pearls, let's make a new tomorrow. Come on, girls, come on, boys, it's your future, it's your choice. Your weapon is your voice. Let's make a new tomorrow. Today. 
A friend in London, indeed. So I hand over to my friend in London, Minnie Meyer. Thank you, Phil. So we've got four identical blonde guys here, ripping off Let It Shine by Take That. The most exciting thing that happens in the whole performance is the lead singer kicks a beach ball into the crowd at one point. So when, Not very well, either. Yeah, well, I was going to say when their music career doesn't take off, maybe there's room for him on the Danish football team. Probably. that. Maybe a lifeguard. <laughs> OK, um, Alex, what did you make of A Friend in London? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm embarrassed myself because, I mean, you know, you're for my closest and oldest friends and you'll remember there was a time when I used to like bands like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that kind of effeminate guitar based pop song type band were popular in the mid noughties to sort of early 2010s I'm, I'm thinking scouting for girls and there again another flipping band i used to absolutely adore we can probably blame an ex-girlfriend for that maybe we'll leave that there um <laughs> back then i probably would have quite liked this song i don't like this song now i i think it's really it's just it's whispery and airy you know, like you just said, they're in the Dusseldorf football stadium in Ormus Arena and they're going to go and sing this really soppy, airy pop guitar song. And then he's going to sort of do this kind of Marco Tardelli, Jürgen Klinsmann, in fact, because we're in Germany, like sprint across the stage. <laughs> to then just go and sort of sing about nothing, sweet nothings at this other at this other part of the, the stage. It's not a song that warranted a Emmanuel Adebayor-esque pitch length sprint from stage to stage with similar reception with so well yeah i mean you know he's lucky he didn't get his uh you know he didn't get hot dogs and stools thrown at him as emmanuel adebayor did when he did it for for man city against arsenal we're getting niche here fellas let's get back to i, I remember um, i got the reference i got the reference i'm so glad that someone's picked up the the really long run that he goes on there we are in a football stadium and they've placed that central stage uh, basically on the centre circle and then he's back singing on the uh, penalty spot uh, so he has to go for a really long uh, walk down and then tries to run back in the uh, in the bridge and he must be out of breath must be out of breath and the only reason that I can see that he does that is for the big reveal that he's wearing a backless shirt well, he'd have to be. He's, wearing, he's wearing leather trousers. I mean, you, you need to cool down somehow. Oh, imagine the chafe. <laughs> yeah, on that run. I, I, think it, I, I think it's funny as well that when he, when he gets to the small stage, he can't spend much time there because he's got no. to get back to the main stage. So no. he sort of twirls around once and then runs back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, from a staging perspective, it's, it's awful. And it's annoying that he does it with his guitar which is not plugged in. And I know obviously they're not playing and you do have to have the instruments represented on stage if they're on the backing track. It just makes mm-hmm. a mockery of it when he's miming playing the guitar and then just legs it. <laughs> Dan, what were your thoughts on Denmark? <clears throat> yes, Phil, I would like to issue a public apology to the nation of Cyprus. Uh, last week in reference to Cyprus's 2016 act, I said that rock is frequently let down at Eurovision by half-assed acts like this one. I am sorry, Cyprus. This limp ballad played at a dreary tempo is an insult to the very idea of rock and roll. And I use the word played in that sentence in inverted commas because these lads clearly are not playing the instruments as we've already covered, nor do I think they've ever played those kinds of instruments in their lives. 
Um, and to misquote Millie, the drummer might as well be hitting hedgehogs with his shoes. <laughs> I, I, I'm disappointed that all of you uh, dislike this song so much. Uh, this was one of my, uh, another one of my favourites from, from the time. And uh, I think it's aged relatively well. Yeah, it's a bit soppy, but I, I don't think it's awful. Yeah, I, I actually agree, Phil. Sorry, I was taking the piss out of the, the staging there. But I, I, yeah, I don't mind this. I like a bit of soft rock. I've just lost a friend in London. <laughs> the lead singer does seem to have taken his uh, hair inspiration from Jedward, who are obviously also there in uh, 2011. Uh, that is quite some uh, quiff going on there, isn't it? He looks like the guy that's um, in the movie Airplane that's sniffing glue in the control tower. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. Um, right. OK, I think we've uh, touched on everything we need to touch on there for um, uh, New Tomorrow. So any any do's pois? No, not quite. OK, nil pois? Yes, Phil, this is my nil point. Um, I didn't like any of this. Uh, genuinely, I think it was one of the worst ones we've covered since the Macedonian entry in 2000. Wow. I mean, we, we really didn't like 100%, did we? Okay. Big cool. Any other nil points? Yeah, I'll give this my nil point as well. Like Dan said, it's not just an insult to rock, it's an insult to soft rock. Wow. I, uh... Don't know what to make of that. Two nil points. Uh, I didn't see this coming. Um, right. Prediction time. I think this is probably likely to be the most popular song on the night. I think this will be fifth. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. We move on. We move on to Estonia, a proud singing nation. They won the contest in 2001, of course. And they are back 10 years later in 2011 with Geta Jani. This, at one point in the early running, was one of the favourites. And this is her song, Rockefeller Street. Get a Jani there, coming in last at the Eurovision Counting Contest. Yes, Rockefeller Street is uh, is quite a surreal entry, as she suggests in the song herself. Uh, we have uh, a zooming uh, landscape of a cityscape in the background, but the London eye seems to stay static throughout. Why, I don't know. Uh, we have cardboard cutout uh, city, which some giant dance break dancing men um produce some magic on occasions it has one of i believe the worst breakdown sections in eurovision history and some really dodgy use of the gangway again 
with um, the men running down just to sort of G up the crowd. Yeah, look, yeah, I thought they'd, they'd run all the way down and then they tried it in rehearsal and were like, oh, that's a bit far. And then they just sort of go five yards down it, wave their arms around a bit and then run back. Yeah, complete waste of time. Yeah, and and all the way, Getter Janney gives a sort of um, Zoe Deschanel vibe slightly. Um, it's it's an interesting one. The song is certainly catchy. I can see why it almost had a um, had a favourite tag to begin with, but uh, it, it certainly fizzled away. Um, let's see what our panel thought. Dan, why don't I come to you? Yeah, I thought Getter put in a very high-level performance for a children's theatre act. Um, she'd clearly be very talented and, and very good at that kind of thing. Uh, for Eurovision, it's a bit bit odd, a bit, bit missing in a few places. I kind of felt that it was good, but it was kind of... It was just a level down in every kind of category. The song's kind of okay, the staging's kind of okay, um, and the kind of novelty factor's kind of okay. Nothing, nothing really ever pushes up at the mm. boundaries. Um, I also found the backing dancers really creepy. Um, I oh, don't yeah. know if that's the point with the surrealism of it, but yeah, that was a bit odd. Yeah, no, they they certainly are. Um, I, I mean, I think there's a certain element where they were going for sort of creepy, wide-eyed amazement, but um, these guys push it to the limit. It's interesting. She also starts with a, a magic trick, turning a, a napkin into a... Uh, stick because magic um uh, but they don't really follow up on the magic at all yeah not um, enough magic for me i think no when, when they start with that concept the first thing i thought was alex is going to love this because it's he, alex loves magic uh and he's also a child um so i thought it was a shame that it was a bit of a um well literally a one-trick pony um <laughs> yeah for me i thought it could have done something with that and I wouldn't mind actually seeing a Eurovision magic, like a, a strong magic themed song yeah. uh, in future. Um, this tickled my idea buds, but then sort of left me cold. I, I, I agree. I would quite like to see a, a, a Eurovision act go full in on the magic. But then if my memory serves me correctly, I think Spain in 2009 go full in on the magic. And it just sucks the the song sucked and the the performance sucked but uh, magic has not been a tapped into gimmick yet i think that's more where we're going um alex uh, alex likes magic is a new proclamation that i didn't know so no, alex I, I do like magic uh so yeah you know looking forward to covering spain uh, when we do the 2009 episode of the podcast um yeah, I did wonder if this might have been a favourite because it's just got that kind of energy. Yeah, you know, in this song, I think a clone based on the DNA of Zoe Deschanel and Jennifer Morrison, the actress who was in House and was one of Ted Mosby's girlfriends on How Met Your Mother, sings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, sings a really quite hypnotic song about again it's 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 a it's a nonsense really yeah you know we're gonna have a good time we're gonna celebrate on rockefeller street i've googled rockefeller street it's not a thing <laughs> you know the lyric keep on moving and we'll show you 
what Rockefeller Street's all about? Is that one of the lyrics or, you know, something like that? Keep moving. So, keep moving. Yeah. 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 So we wait. We wait. Okay. Maybe there's going to be a big reveal of what Rockefeller Street is, what the meaning is, you know? And then I mm. know oh, the song ends. It's just a nonsense. <laughs> I mean, uh, any song that counts one, two, seven, three uh, has to be on some sort of crack. Um, Rise certainly would suggest that, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were um, counting the scores they got from the judges, and one of them was a typo. <laughs> a bit um, I wanted to talk about just just briefly is, is is sort of in the middle of the song when all the backing dancers sort of appear from behind these cardboard cutout city pieces mm. and sort of look around in complete shock yeah. as if they're sort of you know oh my god all of a sudden we're surrounded by elephants or something I don't know <laughs> you know it's just at some points the choreography is really good but then at another point you know there's a bit of break dancing within 10 seconds of them doing that but yeah. it's sort of it, the, the breakdancing efforts are ruined by the fact that they do these really childlike, strange, surprised facial expressions. But 10 seconds prior, it's mm. it's weird. I mean, it's all right. but It's just weird. Yeah, I, I, I would hope for Estonia's sake that this doesn't really represent culture in Estonia. Um, ask about Estonia, Phil. Are they still in Eurovision? I can't remember another Estonian Eurovision song. Uh, Yes, they are. They have not had a very good time of it, if we're honest. They, as I say, they are a really proud uh, Eurovision nation. They, as they won in two thousand and one, they also won their independence from Russia uh, in a singing protest. So they are fiercely proud of their uh, singing heritage. That's not but, coming through here. No, it's really not. Yeah, they tried magic again in, in 2016, but again, just one or two card tricks as opposed to anything else. That was Yuri Putzman with play. That came last in the uh, semi-final, so uh, really wasn't very good. Um, yeah, they are still around, but just nothing really of note in the last 10 years, I would say. It might be because Geta Yani's disappeared to America. There's a video of her on YouTube singing the... American National Anthem before a football soccer match. She also was on Estonian Pop Idol and and played the role of Sharpay in the Estonian version of High School Musical. That's interesting well, because I did get musical theatre vibes from this. Not good ones. Well, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm Dan in this one in that I think you're all wrong. This was really fun. Um, <laughs> has magic it has jazz it has break dancing and i agree that maybe it's not brilliantly performed it's not quite what it could be but i think i'd rather uh, sort of messily executed weirdness than obviously <laughs> executed generic dance number fair enough no yeah i it is bizarre and and i do like it it does stick in your brain so fair play um, right. Uh, pois. Any do's pois? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give this my do's pois, um, despite the Zoe de Chanel comparisons. Fair enough, Ski. Um, I think we've had all of the nil pois already, so uh, no one can, can hate this song the most. So we'll move swiftly on to predictions. Dan, where do you think uh, Getter got? 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna back this one. I I think this would do pretty well at least mid table. It's fairly memorable. So given the options in front of us, I think this has to be our fifth. Okay. Uh, Getter doing well here then. So we move on to Spain and Spain's entry. Uh, one of the big five. We are a big five again this year. Uh, 2011 is the year that Italy rejoins Eurovision. So the big five uh, and Spain have entered Lucia Perez this year with her song Que me quiten lo bailo. And I'll hand over to Alex to talk us through this one. Thank you, Phil. Yes, this song begins with the Spanish Spice Boys in all white suits, uh, providing backing dancing to Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine fame, presumably before she was famous. It's a lackluster song with a lackluster dance. It sounds a little bit like music that you might find as a backing track to a child's video game. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I like, said, um, like an advert for sanitary pads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> kind of... Always. Difficult to know, really, how well this song might have done, because um, it's, it's very... It's bouncy, but also not very exciting. Um you know, at the end, they've got these kind of handheld flares that go off, and that that doesn't add to the excitement. That just adds to the kind of like, oh, you've you've done that now, because next to the flares, and this is again, when I when I say this is sort of um, the whole thing is just lackluster. Two exciting handheld flares, but sandwiched next to the two blokes who are spinning around. I'm not entirely sure if they're hats or deflated beach balls, but either way, <laughs> it's not a great look. Yeah, the, this hat spinning moment is certainly amongst the, the weirder moments. I, I couldn't the... work out if they were deflated beach ball or hats, but yeah, you no. know, spinning hats on fingers is a bit, you know, it's like, I, I remember learning to do that about age seven. Yeah. Know, this, is, this is Eurovision for crying out loud. Yeah, Eurovision, you bring out your big guns like men spinning hats on their fingers. And air yeah. guitar. They air guitar at the beginning of this. Yes, they which, do. Which is up there with standing up and playing a drum kit in terms of annoying things people do at Eurovision. I agree with all of you. It is weird and, and lacklustre in places. And I, I love the sanitary towel reference. I think, yeah, you're bang on with that. Uh, Simon, have we come to you? I actually kind of like this one, but I do think it's it sort of would have gone down, would have gone down a storm in sort of 1998. Um, Eurovision mm. and, and now just appears a bit dated even for 2011 standards. Yeah, I can't imagine it doing all that well, to be honest. Yeah. I, one of the things that I noted is they actually do seem to have the same choreographer as uh, Norway and Haba Haba. The, the sort of yeah, one simple way. move, one simple move with the hand, one simple move with the feet. Yeah. Rinse, repeat. Uh, 
It's like a slow motion um, Gangnam style. Yes. Yeah, it is. Douze uh, poids? Nil poids. Lovely. There's usually one. Um, slap bang in the middle. Will it be slap bang in the middle of the placings? Let's check in with Simon. I think it will be in the sense that it must have qualified uh, and it probably came last. Fair enough. So we come to song number five, the infamous song number five. And this year we come to the untapped, at least on Eurovision in isolation, nation of Belarus, Anastasia Vinikova and her song, I Love Belarus. I love Belarus, got deep inside. I love Belarus, feel it in my mind. And I want to see the sun shining from above. You will always be the one I can get enough. Well, you can't blame their ethnic pride. Uh, Simon, coming to you for this one. Yeah, this is probably the most effective propaganda since Uncle Sam's I Want You posters. You know me, and I've got this sort of Eurovision mantra, I guess, which is what, what does the average Belarusian think? And finally, we get to find out. Uh, and it clearly shows here they've got great taste. It's a really energetic and passionate performance from Anastasia. I really get the sense that she believes in what she's saying. Uh, and she's flanked by her four fireproof backing singers, who I think put in one of the strongest vocal performances of the night, to be honest. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. Okay. Dan, how about you? It's probably no surprise to my fellow panellists or regular listeners that I love this almost as much as Anastasia loves Belarus. <laughs> I do have to question how much of it is actually satire, because... Um, it's running a lot of um, LT United 2006, but the staging isn't as anywhere near as wacky as that. It's just big and powerful. And I don't wish to upset our Belarusian listener, uh, but could this just be post-Soviet new nation patriotism manifested into a Eurovision song? It, it does remind me a little bit of the Kazakhstani national anthem from, from Borat, um, <laughs> which is, is not a good comparison to be making. But... Yeah, I'm just kind of left questioning it. Really, is it is it satire or is it just is it just they're really patriotic? I think they've got snipers trained on them. <laughs> I'm going to continue my role of playing Dan Irvin on this podcast and say that you're wrong. This is shit. Um, it's the substitute teachers dance of the of the evening, and for some reason, one of them is wearing lederhosen. <laughs> Shall I give you my conspiracy theory on this song? This song gives me Graceland by Paul Simon vibes. Why, I hear you ask, those songs are nothing alike, Phil. Thanks, everyone. Graceland by Paul Simon is famous for the fact that he'd sort of written the, the melody, he'd written the rhythm, and just in, uh, in the studio, he'd been singing Graceland, Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee, I'm going to Graceland, as a placeholder until he'd figured out the lyrics and they could never find something better, so they stuck with it. I don't believe that I Love Belarus was going to be the whole meaning of this song. I don't think it fits with the verses. I don't think it fits with much else. I feel like it was a placeholder lyric that they eventually stuck with because they had nothing else. 
makes a bit of sense, Phil. And can I enlighten you as to why? Um, why? So uh, Belarus actually had to replace their initial chosen song, um, which was originally called I'm a Belarusian, because it had been performed previously and therefore they had to come up with a new song sort of at the last minute. And this is what they came up with. So it is, it is the essay crisis of Eurovision. <laughs> that is an incredible fact. I did not know that. How old do we think Anastasia Vinokova is here? Quite high. Uh, I would say, oh, I feel, I don't know if I'm being really harsh here or not. She could be like, 21 22 but she could also be 36 and i'm going to stick at the upper end there i'm going to go 36 mm. yeah she's it's it's the gildo horn effect she she is 20 <sighs> no born in 1991 yeah wow let's move on to points um as we already covered, everyone already uh, spaffed their nilpois loads on the first two songs of the evening. So no nilpois for this one. Um, but I think there's still a couple of douzepois out there. Yes, it's a douzepois from me. Um, it's big, powerful and silly in equal measures, which is a wonderful formula for Eurovision. And I think also it's, it's actually very clever. Um, I wonder how many people might have voted Belarus just because they couldn't get oh, I love Belarus diddly ting 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 out of their heads <laughs> I love diddly ting 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 uh, right and Simon yeah uh, the the slogan from this year's Eurovision was feel your heartbeat and this song certainly got my heart racing so yeah do spawn um, predictions for I love Belarus Alex non-qualifier non-qualifier yeah. okay so we have to reveal all of the placings so the lowest place of all the qualifiers placing 17th in semi-final number one 38th overall was norway and haba haba by stella mwangi haba haba ujasaki baba the other non-qualifier 14th in semi-final number two, 33rd overall. Anastasia Vinikova, I Love Belarus. Got it deep inside. I love Belarus, feel it in my mind. The tension is building. Spain, Estonia and Denmark all made the final. Who did well? In 24th place, second to last in the grand final was Estonia, Rockefeller Street. And 23rd was Spain, Detective Diaz. Um, and coming fifth overall in the final, but first on the podcast tonight, was Denmark, New Tomorrow. What do we make of that, everyone? <laughs> Don't let people vote on things. I, I, I think that's about right. I think that Denmark song would have been popular at the time. It stands up better than the other ones. And, like, you know, Norway didn't qualify, bad singing. Um, I Love Belarus, yeah, probably not that serious of a song. And we both agreed that Spain and Estonia were a bit shit, so. Yeah, I, th I think I think New Tomorrow was of its time. It also performed, 
performed third in the running order. I think with a more beneficial place in the running order, it could have won. It could have won. Yeah, the, the Azerbaijani winner from this year is, is not superb. No, it is, up until that point, the worst Azerbaijani entry. <laughs> and yet it won. Um, they had much better entries. We've covered their 2008 entry. Their 2009 entry, always on my mind, is is a banger as well. Um, and this was just... But, um, but it was also like the only love ballad really in there and when when you're the only one out there that's doing your your thing it helps you get all of the love ballad fans so as we say azerbaijan won this year uh so in 2012 we're off to baku but not on this podcast no uh we have another special episode coming up boys uh, very exciting. So one of the questions that you guys asked me when we did our last special episode on Melody Festivalen was, uh, could the UK do this sort of thing? And we went, no, they probably can't. So I have plucked out from the archives one that maybe the UK could try and replicate. It is the Norwegian selection show from 2018. Uh, so I have picked out five songs that didn't make it through from that, but it was of a very high quality. There should be some familiar faces for Eurovision fans in there. Uh, and I'm very excited to take you through it. So um, Melody Grand Prix 2018 from Norway will be our uh, discussion points for next time. But until then, it is goodbye from my lovely panellists. Goodbye. Goodbye. Phil. Goodbye. Bye. And as ever, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Minnie, you have a fucking hard job this week. Fuck it. Oh, for fuck's sake, Phil. It's fucked. Yeah, I don't mind this. I like a bit of softcore. Oh, for fuck's sake. Fuck. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Fucking podcast. Fuck. Oh, fuck it. Oh, fuck it. I mean, fucking hell. Sorry to the baby who's listening, by the way. Yeah.